from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 16th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And before I introduce the cast, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Quip Toothbrushes. One of the most important things we can do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us, Eddie, don't do it properly. (laughs) Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. It looks like the Apple of toothbrushes or the Porsche of toothbrushes. Uh, Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. A lot of people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. That's why Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough for your sensitive gums. Also, three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. That's why brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just five bucks. I love Quip. Been using Quip for a couple years. I travel with Quip. I love Quip. You should get it. Uh, that's why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill, refill pack for free at getquip.com slash relevant. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studios today... Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. In the hello. in the flesh. He just and landed. Just landed li- from I literally Loveland. just landed. And if I sound frazzled, I was expecting to be here like two hours ago, delayed at the airport, but here we are. Here, here we Over are. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the uh, Skype line from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And the boys are back in town, sitting in for the show today from Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. Yes, I'd like to say something else about this Quip toothbrush, but you can keep going with the show. I love it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You know how most electric toothbrushes are extremely loud? And you don't think about it, but that will wake your spouse in the morning. So sometimes when Bree and I have an early morning, we're both using our Quip toothbrushes. No big deal. Still getting very clean teeth. I'm very passionate about this. Your teeth are your best friends and you got to take care of them. And this Quip toothbrush is an amazing thing. That's all I have to say. I think I'm good now. Jesse gets sick a lot. And I think it's because he brushes his teeth weekly. I, yeah, I I also, you know, I stopped flossing. You guys know my yeah. feelings about yeah, floss. Yeah, yeah. It's a big, big floss. It's a big <laughs> racket. And now I just, you know, I'm testing the limits of what my teeth can do. So I eat a lot of acidic, rancid food. And that, <laughs> I want to see, I want to push the limits of human teeth. And I think it's taking a toll on my health. No, seriously, I have... I've been getting sick a lot lately and yeah. I'm starting to put two and two together. The other thing too is I think I, <laughs> I think you're supposed to like throw out your toothbrush once you get sick, you know, like I feel yeah. like that. Isn't that the rule? Oh, that's probably a good you idea. Know, yeah. you, you, you know, because it's got the bacteria and the germs from your sick. Yeah. But you don't throw out a quip. You just get a new brush head. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's I need to go quip because I'm using a sickly toothbrush. I, I'm blaming it all on <laughs> dental hygiene <laughs> or the lack thereof. Hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Van Jones joins us. Yes. He's a, a news commentator, author, and a non-practicing attorney. He's also the co-founder of several nonprofit organizations. And he joins us today to talk about his organization, the Reform Alliance, a group dedicated to changing America's criminal justice system. It's a very, uh, we've talked about it. It's a bipartisan yeah. effort. It's uh, yeah. an amazing work and, that and, they're doing. And we also talk, and this is this is all related, uh, he's got a show coming out on CB, uh, CNN 
that it, it's ramping up. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And I actually watched two of the episodes. Yeah. You guys know me. I'm not a crier. Not, not a, not a, no. you know, I don't, I don't know. really, I, the thing is like, I'm not one to get a, you know, You're not a, a motion, crier, not a crier, uh, don't have a lot of feelings in general, right? pretty dead inside, uh, just as a rule of thumb, <laughs> just gets me through life. Uh, uh, but no, I watched this new show uh-huh. called the redemption project and uh-huh. it airs on Sunday night. So this week coming up, so it premieres this weekend. So he's coming on the relevant podcast to announce this new show to the nation. Yeah. Essentially like. This show, here's the premise. They take someone who is like a violent offender and they uh, they let them meet face to face with the the family of a victim of violent crime. So I watched two episodes. Both of the episodes, these family members had lost children to like a violent crime, like a, their children were murdered. And they sit down with the person who committed the crime years later and there's like forgiveness. There is like Van Jones. This whole thing is like restorative justice, not retribute, you know, like wow. not just right. Did anybody jump over the table and like go after the guy. Not in the two. Hey, well, here's the thing, not in the two that I saw, but uh, he says in the interviews, like, look, not all of them end, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings, but Whoa. this, he's like, you know, this is, uh, you know, the whole idea is to give the opportunity to these victims to have, because a lot of times like someone will get, you know, put in prison or whatever, but at the end of the court case, they don't have closure. They never get to sit down with the person and say, why did you do this? You know, but what you find out is like a lot of the perpetrators are victims of their own circumstances to some degree, you know, either involved in drugs or at the wrong place at the wrong time. Awesome show. Great calls and great dude, Van Jones. So, and he, he really broke on the scene. Like was the election that, 2016 election was that when he like came into i, I feel like, like that's when i became aware of him he was on it, the yeah, map yeah in a in a way that i don't think he had been up to that point for his election yeah. coverage i just remember there being a few like quotes or moments in that in election coverage where you were like whoa this guy has got a lot to say and so i i think his show will be really thoughtful i'm looking forward to it extremely thoughtful yeah. extremely eloquent speaker obviously like really really good at being like he's quick with those with a, a very poetic uh, language yeah. that's really that can really he, he's great at like succinct quotes and, and I appreciate his commitment to restorative justice. I, I hope that uh, I hope this show makes a difference because it'd be cool to see the Justice Department tilt that direction. The other thing, too, is I love interviews where I don't even ask the first question and they just start answering it like, hey, Van, how's it going? Great. You know what? I'm excited for people to see this show. He just like jumps right in. I just say Pro. hello. He's already answering a question for it. Hey, he makes he my job deal. very easy. Very easy. Yeah. yeah. He, knows he knows what's going on. Let's just get I, to you it. Can tell. It's like he's a professional, you know, commentator. Or well, something. I think, I think, okay, here, I don't, I don't want to brag. I haven't looked at the late show circuit this week, but if he showed up on like the tonight show or something promoting the show, wouldn't be shocking to me. We've been a pipeline lately. Lately. And I know that's crazy. Somebody on Twitter pointed that out that like, uh, in one week we had Nate Bargatze, and uh, Taraji P. Henson on yep. the Relevant Podcast. And then that same week, The Tonight Show had Nate Bargatze and Taraji P. Henson. And I have a theory. I have a theory, especially with, with like, you know, when you go on those shows, you go on the Tonight Show, you got to have like a little anecdote. You something funny. Hey, right. I, you know, so I was at mm-hmm. the airport. Oh, are you doing any traveling? Like, oh, it's a funny story. My suitcase has got, you know, yeah. just these wacky little celebrity stories. Right. I think people are coming on here to test material. You know, because <laughs> when we had Bargatze... <laughs> 
we had Bargatze, uh-huh. I, I had, I asked him, you know, I, you know, we, we, we talked for about a half hour and we've, right. we, you know, people heard some of the interview run, you know, a lot of it, all, uh, you know, was online, but you know, I asked him, I was like, you know, what did your, what did your parents think when you were like, okay, I'm doing the, cause he, he talks about his dad and the magician thing. And but I was like, you know, when you decided to go into comedy and you yeah. told your parents that, and he was like, well, we all knew that college just wasn't for me. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. okay. He's like, you know, I failed a bowling class. I was like, oh, how do you fail bowling? He's like, I don't know. I was a pretty good bowler. He's like, yeah, they made you manually keep score. It's very complicated. And I could tell right there. He was like testing to see if this is a late show story. You know, like <laughs> I'll, I'll use it on this pod. Like, because, you know, the stakes are much lower here. It's informal. They're probably going to edit this up. But he needs, you got to, if you're, if you're a celebrity printer or show, you got to have those good stories and you got to test them somewhere. Yeah, you know? But you got to feel like Van Jones isn't going to go on Fallon, right? Because he's not going to sit there and play like, uh, you know, like, whatever like it is. Carry with Emma Jones or whatever. So he, like, he, like he's going to be Colbert. Going on. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. More I think he's going to be on Colbert. Yeah. I would have a very hard time seeing Van Jones to promote this show. <laughs> about restorative justice. About restorative justice. Putting on two giant pairs of hands and slapping Jimmy Fallon as they play <laughs> beer pong. Right. Right. Like, I don't think that's the vibe of this show. Though I will Spinning say. some wheel and having to sing like, you know, staying alive like yeah. whoever. I don't know yeah, what they do. Jones, Marie Kondo and Emma yeah. Stone all having to put together like a, some sort of like crazy like last minute like blind karaoke taste test situation. I will yeah. say this: I would love to see like a real interview of Marie Kondo. Like she seems, too. she seems like so. Like oh, you've watched Tidy now. Yeah, of course. I, mean, I think it's funny that her name is now a verb. Like I Marie yeah. Kondoed my my house yeah. on Saturday, you know. Yeah, you, you know the, the the other thing is like when she's on the show, she almost seems like otherworldly, you know. Like she like sits in the house she's, and she's a porcelain doll. Yeah, and, and like you, you're you, you know her observation, she doesn't seem like like a normal human, you know. Like but she, she is. She's I, a mom and. I'm sure she is. I'm just saying she doesn't seem like it. She seems like, <laughs> listen, Marie Kondo is onto something. She's on, she's operating on a different level here. You know, like I got these, I got these two yahoos arguing over coat hangers and she's talking to the couch to see if the couch wants to be in the house. It's a whole nother thing. I would love to see her on one of these late shows. I mean, it just I kind of want to know the real person, you know. Yeah. Like, what's it like to let's get some big hands on her and see how she does with exactly. Maybe, a big maybe we should get her relevant. Maybe she could help us out a little bit. Maybe she could tell us, you know, what you know, what like what, like what we bring her in. She's a guest editor in the mag. She cuts out half the content. We, it, oh. we, it ends up being <laughs> like a booklet. It's like a pamphlet. It's like a little pamphlet. You know what? I don't like what was funny about the whole Marie Kondo fad, though. And I guess it's still happening. Is that people are will like post a picture at the end of a long weekend and be like, "I Marie, Marie Kondo in my bedroom today," and then you see the before shot. And you're like, how did you live in this squalor? I mean, there was just <laughs> piles of junk. Like, it would be something if Brie and I Marie condoed, because we're fairly tidy people and we've moved a few times. Like, if you look around our house, like, it would be a thing to go through and find a ton of stuff. But these people that seem to be really into it are like, listen, um, you're a hoarder and you're filthy and you're disgusting. <laughs> you and you've been using the same toothbrush through three bouts of stomach flu. I think right. we found the problem here. Yeah, That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's coming up later. And, and before you, uh, you know, think that this is a partisan thing. Yeah. He, I mean, the work he's doing on criminal justice reform is uh, absolutely 100% bipartisan. He's working with the Trump administration, yeah. saying very positive things about their commitment to this issue. So, so this is not an issue that will 
uh, be on one or one side of the not, aisle or not, the other. Yeah, not at all. Because even this week, you know, the as we're recording it, you know, I saw the, the morning we were recording it, he was kind of um, taking some heat for so vocally uh, congratulating Kim Kardashian on her work with the Trump administration on justice reform. Like he's he's not afraid to cross the aisle when it comes to this issue. Who would have thought? He's, a, he's, he's one of Putin's puppets, too. He's very proudly colluded with Russia. So there's really like <laughs> like he's crossed aisles in many different ways here that I think are really valuable. And show me anybody can cross over. And, and, he, and, he, and he spills all of it on the podcast coming up. Later. Yeah, it's, I can't believe. I mean, it's a confession. It's a confession to treason. He, I can't believe we got it. We got some it. Very shocking thing. It was unprompted, too. He just <laughs> yeah, he, he, was like, he was like, you know, my whole thing is restorative justice. And I, you know, speaking of which, I need to get some things off my my own chest. I've colluded with Russia and Kim Kardashian because of my work with President Putin will be the next president of the United States. Are we prepared to have Kanye West as the first husband? First man, Kanye. Oh my god! I would rather have Kim the president. This is all in the Mueller report. I don't know. I assume this is no one's read it. No one's read. It's too long. It's too long. You know. All right. Uh, Moving the show along. Uh, It's our Tuesday episode, which means it's time for slices. All right. Okay. Time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? I have I have a, a twofer, but they're very closely related. So it's kind of a double dip. It's it's a, it's a it's a it's a double dip um, with. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I was going to take the metaphor into like being for some reason like beans? those, no, no, a double dip bean. No, like the ice creams that you get yeah, at that, Dairy Queen yeah, yeah. where they dip yeah, it. Yeah, they dip it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. You're going to get some, some crunchies on top. It's going to be crunchy. I'm going to start with a crunchy one and then you're going to go right in to the soft goodness at mm. the core of this slice. Mm. By the way, when you guys go to Dairy Queen, how often, you know. The, the flex yeah. of turning the blizzard upside down right. before they head it to. Right. Why do they do that? Why, to what's show the, you how that this isn't a runny, normal thing. This is a thick ice cream. Do they need to do it every time? Like, it's like, I get it. Like, that's why I got the blizzard because I'm aware of its consistency. I, I, haven't, a, I haven't been to a Dairy Queen in forever, like yeah. forever. And I was in downtown Chicago before an event. And yeah. I was like, well, I need to get a snack. You know, yeah. oh, there's a Dairy Queen. I popped in there. The guy in front of me orders a blizzard. And they, you know, hand it to him upside down. And I'm like, what are you doing? I, know. I, didn't, I didn't know it was yeah. their thing. Yeah. And then I saw the sign. And it was like, if we don't flip it upside down, you get it for free. It's a flex. But that's like a recent thing with Dairy Queen, like a marketing thing. Because back in the day, like, like, like turning it upside down has always been in the Dairy Queen manual. But it used to be just for like employee quality control, how they'd know that they got the consistent consistency right. And so if you knew that, you could walk in and say, like, I'd like a blizzard and will you turn it upside down? And they had to do it. It's only in recent years that it's been like a mainstream thing. So that's my hot take for the podcast. Eddie, are you a former Dairy Queen employee? Are you a staffer? Yeah, I mean, I, you I sound like you're very What's familiar with the handbook. Why are you so familiar with the, with the ins and outs of the Dairy Queen <laughs> manual? The, the, it's, the just an extre- it, it's an extremely boring story. Why? But I knew someone that used to work at Dairy Queen and they told me that this used to be like a secret little Dairy Queen hack and now it's like, oh, everybody's got to turn your little drinky Part upside down. I know, I know. I know we're, I know we're, you know, we didn't intend to get on ice cream talk, but yeah. here we are. Um, <laughs> it's like Van Jones. I didn't even ask the question. Just, there it is. He just started. Guys, we're talking ice cream today. Good. We got a great pod. We got a listener of the week we're excited about. We got Van Jones doing a very important work. And finally, getting some things off our chest about ice cream. Ice cream chatter. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's finally getting warm out. People are, you know. Exactly. People are thinking about these things. I, I drove yeah, by yeah. the other night in a little downtown of our neighborhood. Uh, there was a line out the door. Yeah. Jeremiah's Italian ice. You know, it's like, oh, oh it's that time of year. One. Family, seven o'clock at night. Yeah. After dinner, they're going there. You know, Magic. I was like, oh, look at that. I, I've never once been there. I'm more of a fro. I, Froyo's been the game changer for me. Because, really? <laughs> because that's not a new thing, you know. That, yeah, right? Well, but the, the I, I know it's been around for a while, but like since you were like seven. No, no, I'm not talking about TCBY. I'm not talking about. You're talking about the new place, the places where, where you, you do the make wall your own of toppings, and then you weigh it. And at you the weigh end. it. That that is an all time game changer for two reasons. One, the places I go, if you guess the exact weight, it's free. Uh-huh. I've, I've come within oh. an I've come within an ounce, like a gummy bears worth you know like the weight of one gummy bear could have tipped the scales on that that i was i i'm getting deadly close to answer it every time because i eat it all the time but i just love i feel like every place like i feel like i feel like that, that if if we want to see how we can disrupt wait, 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 wait dude you could do this think about this next time you go yeah time how long you're doing the and ice cream. Like count the... one, one thousand, two, one thousand, mm-hmm. boom. And then have exact two scoops this, two That's scoops right. that. See what it is when you pay. Yeah. And then yeah. next time replicate it. And for the rest of your life, you're eating for free. I, I am so I am like the Heisenberg of Froyo. Like just so precise <laughs> with I come in there with like scooping instruments right. and tongs yeah. and I like Four it. Four gummy bears plus, you know, one <laughs> scoop. Dude, you could do it. The, the only problem is I lose self-control when uh, I, I, I just that's where they're they're banking on nobody who's coming here all the time is going to have the self-control to do that they have a real problem they're making they're making 12 dollar froyos so um (laughs) i feel like i was going to say one other ice cream thing but now i forgot so oh that's too bad should we take a second so you can remember it just like we pause like that you really (laughs) i know people people are hanging on my everywhere don't cut it out we're just going to be quiet until jesse remembers oh no what i was saying is other food places need to be disrupted like the froyo thing like why why are there people standing behind the Chipotle counter making? My, why am I telling someone, "Hey, put chicken in there, put cheese in there"? Why don't Why don't we just forget all that? Ma- let me make my burrito, a burrito bowl, weigh it, and I'll pay for it then. So essentially, what you're saying to- is everything just becomes a buffet, and you pay by weight for everything. I don't right? want. So, I don't. I don't want everybody's hands in the in the line. You know what I mean? Like I literally was at a Jason's Deli once, yeah. has a big salad bar, yeah. And I was at I was eating dinner, and there was only like two or three other people people or tables eating, yeah. So it was largely empty. But there was this lady at the salad bar that caught a couple of our eyes because she was standing out there for a while, yeah. And so we look over, and she's at the end of the line at the chocolate pudding part. Oh God. And she reaches into the chocolate pudding with her finger and then licks it. No. Listen, and licks it and then Delete does the it again and licks it and does it again and licks it. And we, to the point that like I'm watching her and this other family's watching her and the other family, finally the mom had how enough. Old, how old is the she's lady? She's just a middle-aged lady on there by herself. Like, Unaware oh, of what gosh. she's doing, oh, she's by herself. And then the Delete other this lady, whole episode, the other Start mom, the whole show yells again. at her. Yeah, like ma'am. Yeah, like, what she say? Oh, she's like, whoa, whoa, and got flustered and left. You know, she just left. Well, because she was doing a takeout salad, and so she was just doing a little, little extra treat for she, herself before it, she packed up her she, box. Do you think she just had one of those moments where she just forgot where she yes. was? Yes, you know what I mean. She like, was like, oh, that was oh, delicious. I, mean, I just have, you know, yeah, that's why just, I don't want Chipotle to be like that. Who knows what they're doing down there at the guac part? You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, ideally, we'd need, we That's need a like, serious accusation. Yeah. I mean, what they need is like minimal supervision, like some kind of 
Chipotle lifeguard and yeah. he patrol. He's walking on top of the sneeze guard <laughs> and just looking down on everyone to making sure no one's got their mitts in the guac. Yeah. But otherwise, there's no reason. I will just cut out the middleman, right? I don't need to tell the kid, you know, uh, medium, not mild. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And I'll put exactly how much I want. Uh, Tyler, Eddie, you guys are looking at me like I'm speaking I'm a, I'm Spanish here. This. No, I, I <clears throat> I do think that, that this is a level of like the, the, the democratization of the buffet line. That's a lot of power to give the American people. And I don't know that I trust all of them. With a, like, it just seems like that's a lot of responsibility. And Cameron's story does have me thinking that that's not the only lady out there you know what I'm saying? sticking her <laughs> fingers saying. in chocolate pudding. Hey, you, know, if there's you can one, have there's 10,000, fine. And then that one weirdo dips his finger in the guac all and the whole sudden, batch is done. All of a sudden, Let me ask you, do you think it may be different if you had like even just like a little... A little drone flying around, broadcasting what was happening at the buffet up on a big screen to keep you accountable because you knew everybody could see you. You think no, that would no. be, make a difference? No, wh- no, here's what they need. Honestly, there's only one way to do it right. And that's like, you ever seen a movie that like they, they show the security set up at uh, like a casino where there's cameras hidden above. They see every hand, every hand in that casino is accounted for. And there's a guy who's like the architect at the end of the matrix who's watching all the screens. Yeah. You know, he's zooming in up. Oh, we got a finger getting close to the guac and they can scoop you down. I feel like that's a pretty easy solution. We already have casino technology. You install that in, in the your scenario to give people the freedom. <laughs> yes. You, you, and you, you are a, adding a staff and a technological infrastructure. Russia. Yeah. You are. A, listen, if people can't be trusted. Surveillance right. brother society is, is watching every buffet, like <laughs> cameras over every, like even the gross stuff, like no one's putting their bare hand in shredded lettuce. No one's doing that. That would be a weird thing to do. Like that's just not going to happen, but you know what? We're going to have eyes on it we're gonna get eyes on it i think the big problem we're facing here is that like froyo is dispensed so in theory you can't touch the original product Uh, until it is out in the wild uh, i think what we really need is dispensers for all like (laughs) like i'm down with the chipotle idea but it must be dispensed so i hit a button half a cup of chicken pops out hit again another half cup of chicken yeah and you just keep going you know yeah, yeah. It's so just, the kids behind it are just filling the hoppers. They're just they're just pouring more chicken into the chicken dispenser. Just chicken, yeah. more chicken refried, beans. Re- refried beans. Everything's got a dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. Hey, Frank. I got bad news, man. The refried bean refried dispensers clogged, clogged up again. again. Yeah. And it's just, one guy. He's just got the most disgusting pipe cleaner in the world. He's like, yeah. oh yeah. gosh, this has been everything is dispensed. Up. So I, th- this is what happens when when Annie's not on yeah, the show. I, just yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we need to get Van Jones on the line because I got to get his thoughts on. No, one <laughs> other thing. I'll just say this and then I'll move on to the slice. Uh, I, well, I can't believe this, well, is, this is the preamble okay, to the slice. St- okay. This is crazy. But it has nothing to do with the slice either. You guys remember Casa Bonita? Oh, yeah. in, in Tulsa? Yeah, there's like, there's one in Denver. There's, there's one, one in, in Denver. Tulsa. I'm to the Denver Dallas. Yeah. 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 Eddie, yeah. are you familiar with Casa Bonita? No. This is unbelievable okay it's, i love it's so hard to explain i love hearing people describe it because yeah. everybody's got a different description <laughs> let me give you a quick elevator pitch eddie and and, and next time we're in one of the cities and, and i will tell you not knowing what he's going to say in no way is what he's going to say an exaggeration of no, the reality yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, sounds fake so you go in there and and the first they ask you like where would you like to dine tonight would mm-hmm. you like to dine under a waterfall where a man dives off into a pool the Jesus he dives he walks up a ladder dives the whole time you just watch him dive while you eat would you like to eat in like an old saloon in the west uh, uh inside of a cave in a rainforest you pick your room 
and they have it set up for you and you can you can go to these same rooms and then there there's no ordering right there is a, literally a conveyor belt with plates of mexican food that run down a line <laughs> yeah. and you just it's a flat fee and you're just you, you're oh, paying for no. access to the <laughs> conveyor belt yeah and if you need more chips and salsa every table comes twi- equipped with a pirate flag that is raised yeah. when you need more chips and sauces. The perfect Which system. I think that is a perfect system. It really is. I think you need a refill. Well, raise the pirate <laughs> yeah, flag. Exactly. I love yeah. the pirate flag idea. Yeah. And the conveyor. Anyway, I had a guy that I knew in college, <laughs> and you would not believe how crank you you went to Casmanita and Tulsa, oh, yeah, right? Of course. It is cranking twenty four seven. Like, and the, the, the amount Huge of Mexican food that ends up on that conveyor belt is oddly the lifespan for people in that city thirty eight. <laughs> the, the amount of plates that go down that conveyor belt it is astonishing that they're able to, to create that that, uh, that and, and volume you know, and you know that it's being consumed too because these plates with this the enchiladas with the sauce on it or the refried beans it's gonna skin over if it's yeah. out there for a little while well, so and it's not okay. skinned over speaking of skinning over i knew a guy who worked there and he had one job like he would show up do this one job for, you know, eight hours and was, then leave. Was he would don a Speedo and jump off the waterfall? He, yeah, no, he didn't have that. That's the job he applied for. And they're like, hey, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, the sweet job of, of high diving is already filled. But we got something I know you're going to love. This is, this is literally what he said all day. He said there's a gigantic vat of refried beans like just like a barrel that they'll just dump more in when it gets a little low and then you know the people come over and they scoop it out and put it on the plates his job was he, this is what he told me was all day to stir that giant vat of refried beans with a boat oar that's all he did all with day a boat oar. He had a, they don't have an instrument for it like there's no they can invent one you know, there's it's very specific. How different than a boat or would it be? There's no need to reinvent the wheel here. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the yeah, I could commission, I could commission a refried bean stirring I- instrument, or I could go to Dick's and buy a boat or, <laughs> and it'll be just fine. So anyway, I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> that was slices. Yeah. Yeah. What, okay. So I'll, I'll make this fast because I use my allotted time to talk about uh, Casa Bonita. Revolu- revolutionizing the food industry. Yeah. That's thank what you. You're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, Van Jones is revolutionizing the criminal justice system. You're revolutionizing the, the food it's, industry. It's like the guy, it's the person that first got the Cheesecake Factory pitch. You know, yeah. his mind was. You, so you're telling me the yearbook full, the, the yearbook of a menu. The menu, it literally has everything. And most people don't get cheesecake. How do we print them? How can we afford to print such large books? I know. Sell advertising. We'll have ads all in them. It's very gaudy. <laughs> and it will be uh, a, a lot of stucco uh, and, and faux, uh, you know, Renaissance painting. Okay. Uh, Lyft. You guys are familiar with Lyft. They had a big uh, uh, initiative where they were releasing pedal assist electric bikes in cities around the country here in Orlando. It's like Lyme is yep. at the, uh-huh. the Lyme cycles uh-huh. or whatever. Have you guys ridden any of these? No, I've, no, it's I've ridden nine, one or two. Yeah. Yeah. I have in other cities, but in Orlando, of course, what it's 9,000 degrees like? and everything is far away. 
So. What what was the experience like for you, Eddie, when you uh, rode one it, or another? It state? was fine. Yeah, no, it was fine. It was like not. I, I think I did it in D.C. It was totally like a very convenient, yeah. nice way to get a couple blocks quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've ridden the, I've ridden them in D.C. too. But the thing is, like, they're not pedal assist. They're just very sturdy, heavy bikes. Right. You know. Right. Yes. The lift ones were adding like a degree of technology. Yeah, in mopeds. There. Yeah, exactly. Like you get them started, they run and go. Well, they have recently pulled bikes from new york san francisco and washington dc lift because the technology that was telling the bikes how to operate was going haywire in the worst possible way what? and that is some of the bikes you'd be riding them and for some reason the bike would jam the front brake oh my causing oh, causing the most hilarious accidents ever because there's nothing <laughs> funnier there's whoa like over the handlebars like i I'm not advocating bikes, right. you know, bike accidents, but that's funny. Like yeah. it's a, as long as the person isn't hurt, you know? And so, uh, they, they released a statement. We recently received a small number of reports from riders who experienced stronger than expected braking force on the front wheel. So this is happening like this to such a, a, a common degree that they're having to pull these bikes out of major cities, jamming the front brake. So it, it leads to a lot of questions like how much trust are we giving artificial intelligence? You know, Ooh, how much trust do we want to give to these machines that I'm, you know, if I'm coasting down one of I've never I've never been to San Francisco, but I picture it all like those big hills, like in the opening credits of Full House. If I'm bombing one of those on a lift bike, I don't want I don't want the front brake jamming. Right. You know, that's a lot of power to give to a machine. Well, uh, the. The the finally someone is stepping up and has has drafted a statement of principles that will guide us in our relationship to artificial intelligence. Can anyone just venture a guess? What institution do we do we trust enough to tell us how we should think about artificial intelligence? What's the most obvious one that comes to mind? Like the Instant. medical field, right? The Southern Baptist Convention. Right. <laughs> Come on, guys. We were waiting. So dumb. We were waiting for their big statement on that. They they just, you know, they've been so progressive in all of their 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 other thinkings, you know, now allowing slacks on, you know, days other than Sunday. I mean, they're really, they're really <laughs> progressive <laughs> institution. But they have released the, the the statement that no one asked for from them <laughs> the artificial and artificial intelligence colon an evangelical statement of principles that the great great thing about the southern baptist convention they have a lot of time on this they don't have any other big pressing things they have to worry about these days you know let's right. just let's yeah. just get yeah. let's just get all the leaders let's get all the leaders together all these pastors and let's have them figure out how we should deal with artificial intent yeah. you know? how about let's solve you know, inappropriately touching children first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about how about widespread systemic abuse at every level and like uh, I mean, uh, you know, like okay, but also the robots are coming, so we got to get behind this. <laughs> that's what, so I think this is that's what they did. They over they they overcorrected because they realized we react too much. We we're we're on the we're on the defensive all the time. We're always like five years behind. We need to get ahead of the next issue, and they overshot by about a hundred years. But. <laughs> <laughs> no one will accuse us of behind the eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can admire the instinct. I just think right. they maybe like the pendulum just swung too far the other direction. Yeah, yeah. We really have to, yeah, have the foresight to look down the road at what what could what could be a big problem. Uh, yeah, two hundred years from now. So uh, 
I, I did you guys, uh, Tyler, I know we wrote about it on the site, relevantmagazine.com. Did you read through, I read the entire statement of principles. Did you read through it? Wow. I, I, I went to, I went to the summer. What are you doing with your knows. life? Yeah. Cliff knows. It, it's quite lengthy. It's quite lengthy. And uh, <laughs> like, okay. So I was disappointed in it because like, if you're gonna if you're gonna go out of you your way, you were combing it for gold. You're I was for, combing you, it yeah, for gold. I was like, "There's got to be something good in here." Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "This is the safest statement." On like, essentially, it comes down to, okay, well, if if anyone asks, like, they, it addresses things that no one's considering. <laughs> like, that's my problem with it. It's like in this hypothetical world, are you actually worried about people worshiping it? Like it literally addresses like, Hey, should it get so smart? Remember Christians biblically, it's probably wrong to worship it. It's like, what? who needed, who needed, but isn't that really their primary concern? I mean, what yeah. else are they as concerned about with these robots? Like, you know, what what could they they don't care if it's delivering prime Amazon packages or whatever. They just don't want people to, like, make the church the robots. God, that's got to yeah. be what their deal is. Yeah, I I mean, because the other stuff was I mean, they, they weren't saying anything that, like I said, there, there was no need to have like a, a, a theological meeting about this it's like we're okay with you know artificial intelligence working in the workplace even if it means losing jobs because of old it's like i didn't need my pastor to tell me that like i'm totally fine with that like and they seemed a lot of time down the road though think about that yeah like did they answer the fundamental question too that i'm sure tyler also has which is dating falling in love with marrying uh, robot? Okay, I'm this curious. is okay. They did have a creepy section again. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like this is what we're all thinking. Okay. I just need you to find <laughs> a way to tiptoe her. around it. Yeah, right? yeah, but like, okay. So it, th- this this statement cons- consists of several articles. Article one: Image of God. Article two: AI is technology. Article three: Relationships of AI and humanity. Article four: Medicine. Article five: bi- You know, like pretty uh, you know high yeah, level yeah. stuff. Nothing too weird. Article six: Sexuality. Yes, and it's yes. like okay. Now we're getting weird. Now we're getting weird. Now it's like you just didn't <laughs> need to go really there. I figure, like, <laughs> I can read the subhead Southern Baptist pastor. I went to a Southern Baptist high school. I know you're thinking about sexuality. I probably know what you're going to tell me about sexuality, whatever, <laughs> as it pertains to robots. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't need you, to read this creepy th- thing. Right, you don't think you're going to open that, and it's just like, hey, go for it. If it feels right, <laughs> you, you oh, do boy. you. Oh uh, yeah, oh boy. Because it's like you know what this is like. All love is of God. No. <laughs> yeah. This is what it was like jamming sexuality in there. Like they have one about war and work and all these. I wonder if it's the pendulum swing thing. It's like they've been criticized for not addressing sexuality in their own denomination. But and now they do in the creepiest way possible. Now every topic they have to address from now on will have a sexuality yeah. application. It's like I felt like I was reading this, and then all of a sudden it was like. You're, you know, 12 years old and your dad pulls you aside and wants to have a talk with you. That's what it felt like reading this. It is. I didn't need this. Like, were you just warming me up for Article 6 about sexuality? I really was. The whole thing was like, like, yeah, here's here's some pretty obvious statements. Here's some obvious statements. (laughs) And then Article 6. And now why we're here. 
We recently all saw an episode of Westworld and it freaked us out and you exactly. cannot date these things. <laughs> this has, I saw one episode of Westworld and called a meeting written all over it. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. <laughs> a, congregate told, yeah, a congregate told me about this show, Westworld. And it's oh, like, they're like, okay, so we, so yeah, and then these pastors are like, oh, we gotta do something about it. I mean, if it's on a TV show, then it's not that far in reality. How are we going to address this subtly? I know we'll talk literally about every possibility with artificial intelligence, including it getting so powerful that it demands that we worship it. And then we'll talk about sexuality right in the middle of it. Article six, six of the 12. It just jammed we'll, right we'll in there. It. No one will ever know. Ted Buck says it started <laughs> out. It started out as the evangelical statement on on human sex robot relations. We're like, that's a little weird. We can't release this. So you gotta make a <laughs> Why is this coming up? Why is this coming up? It's because somebody is like, nobody's worried 10 years ago. Cause nobody's even thinking about like Watson playing jeopardy that way. They're just like, oh, okay, we're fine. But as soon as that robot lady appeared on Jimmy Fallon and was telling monologue jokes, all of a sudden some like pastor somewhere got a little flush under the collar and was like, we gotta, uh, we, we, we gotta got talk about this. We have got <laughs> this to address. <laughs> this it just i just think it's not the greatest look for them like you, we didn't you think th it was given why do we need this statement it's just it's just baffling and hilarious like i here's the other thing too i would have like loved to been in the meeting it's like matt chandler david flat <laughs> russell moore all these guys you know all these like southern baptist convention big, big wigs and uh, you know, it's it, they're like, okay, Frank, you we assigned you Article Six. Which one is that? So, and he's like, um, I got the one about sexuality. You know, like it, it just it's just hilarious that it even came to this. Yeah. That it even came to this. Like the thoughts of people that we we never asked them what they thought about this topic, but yet here we have it in print forever. So, uh, if you want to read it, you can. There's a link to it on our website. Read at your own caution. But a redacted is, version. Because okay, it, it heavily redacted little, version. Got I will say this. Too hot for it was no need. There was no need to get this detailed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> let's just. There hey, is like. Hey, let's just keep it high level. Let's just let's just keep it high level. Well, <laughs> well, we can assume we don't need all. We don't need every yeah. possible scenario that you put in there. We'll just keep it. Just, and that section is probably like thirty-four pages long. Everything else is like a memo <laughs> size, and this is just. <laughs> all right. What do you have, Tyler? Okay. Well, I we're gonna keep we're gonna keep talking about food. We're gonna we're gonna backtrack just like just like five minutes. We're gonna keep talking about dining out. Going, going to the restaurant. Um, when it comes time to pay the bill, do you guys have a go-to tip methodology? A, uh, like, like here's how I figured. I look the tip. at, like, I uh, look at the waiter like a and standard. I, assuming that service was not like, like especially terrible or, or incredible. Yeah. Just like here's I, how, here's what I do. Twenty percent, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, yeah. Same. So they, yeah. I mean, I would never pay under twenty percent. Like then, I, I just eyeball like if it's thirty six dollars, you know, thirty six dollars seven twenty. You know, just like I, I can just double the thing and then and quick easy. math. Yeah, twenty percent. Well, I look at the the waiter and said, "Your job was easy. I could have done what you've done." <laughs> I will give my tip to the guy in the back stirring a vat of refried beans right. with a bodor. And the guy's probably probably got forearms like my thigh, you know, just stirring. That guy deserves a tip. But anyway, I just, it's a non-traditional method. But go ahead, Tyler. Well, I thought that was a pretty standard. I think 20% is a pretty standard 
like generally speaking, 20% I mean, on a bill. The, the question is, uh, if you've ever waited tables, I think anybody who's ever waited tables tips well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah. waited tables in college at 20%. Yeah, no way. Yeah. You know, nothing yeah. less. Because even because you're aware then that even if like if, if things didn't come out as fast as you wanted them to, a lot of times it's out of the server's hands. Like some, they're, they're, right. it was out of everybody's hands. Something right. bad happened that then they're as embarrassed about it as you are. I'm not going right. to punish you because you you couldn't get right. get my food to be as fast as I wanted to. So right. there was some internet drama last week regarding Ooh. this. What I thought was very simple, straightforward okay. etiquette, and it came to us from the folks at CNBC. Uh, they have this uh, a little a little vertical called CNBC make it, which is apparently about how to like save money, like financial tips. Um, that, that looks like pretty standard stuff, like, like n- nothing, uh, nothing that that's too uh, egregious, but they put out a video that even the title of it should, should tip you off a little bit, uh, a simple tipping trick that could save you money. So a <laughs> tipping trick that saves Life you hack, money yeah. obviously means tipping less. You're tipping less. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the trick. And I, I, I hate to I hate to spoil this. We'll go. We'll jump to the right to the end. The, but the trick is to save less. There, it, for it's a video. A very friendly guy and a, and a dorky looking plaid shirt talks about like how you're spending too much money tipping on the post tax part of the bill. He recommends switching to the tipping on the pre tax part of the bill, uh, which ends up being saving you, according to him, four hundred dollars a year. I think you'd have to be eating out quite a bit to save four hundred dollars a year just yeah, by swipping from post tax to pre tax. But he says you end up tipping between four to six dollars less on average. Uh, obviously, more depending on where you're going or not. But this was well, yeah, I, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the, because the the math too is like that's an insane amount of money to to, to save by not not just t- you know paying on the on the pre tax like. Where's this guy? The other thing too is the production of the video. It's like from CS or MSNBC or what's the the finance CNBC? one? CNBC. CNBC. And, and it like had the setup of like a, a legit finance tip. And you know the guy comes out and he's like, "Hey there, if you're like me, and like this is where I knew his math was going to be wrong. You eat at Ruth's Chris at least four or five times a week, right? Am I right? <laughs> but it was like this friendly, insane like setup for what what they were were positioning to be actual helpful financial information, and it was just yeah, don't tip your server as much. Yeah, and they do the they did like these cutaways to man on the street type interviews where they'd go up to to New Yorkers and just say how much do you tip and they're like oh twenty percent fifteen percent whatever and then kind of made them out to be to be financial idiots like no wonder these people are walking around New York like a bunch of losers they're spending too much on the tip they're giving their servers too much money and they even at the very end when <laughs> after they explained the tip there was one one woman said well that sounds like that seems kind of dirty to the server and they're like. Get a load of this woman. She thinks it's not nice to tip servers very well. Like they made they made her very reasonable, very actually kind and empathetic yeah. comment about their objectively stingy, miserly, and and frankly downright stupid quote unquote trick seem like a seem like she was be like she was the idiot. Yeah. Because he does, he did say, yeah, sure, tip twenty percent. Just do it on the pre-tax total, yeah, which yes. is the actual total, yeah. And so, like, he's like, that puts you know a dollar back that's, in your pocket. That's thirty-five or, you know, cents back in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And then times how many times? Yeah, it's four hundred dollars a year. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still tipping less. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just you know. 
you could have cut you could have cut out the whole middleman there and just say just don't tip this much. I think the final tip was then that he suggested just doubling the taxed amount, which ends up being depending on which state you're in, obviously something like seventeen eighteen percent. So at that point, you're not tipping your servers very much at all. And uh, I, the point of the video, which is to not make you look, look like a cheapskate, is absolutely <laughs> what it came across. You come yeah, across looking like. What are you like, going to tell the server? Hey, listen, I used to tip uh, $2 more on this meal, but now you understand. I'm yeah. still 20%. It's just before tax. It's like the server doesn't care. They're just getting less money. That's It's just so yeah, yeah dumb yeah. and terrible. Tip your servers. Yeah. Tip your servers. But more people. and more, there are restaurants that are like doing away with taxes. Like there are, I'm sorry, with tipping. Yeah. And that kind of makes sense. Like It's a thing. Yeah, like I, it would, it would certainly be nice if tipping was no longer on the table, isn't it? I mean, isn't it like uncomfortable and weird? I mean, we do it, but it's odd. I agree yeah. that if, if restaurants would choose instead to pay their work, like to say, like it's on us as a company to pay our servers well, we're not going to rely, we're not going to rely on the like generosity of our customers anymore to take care of that. I think that would ultimately be like a universal good, but it would take a lot of places doing that for the for the the zeitgeist to move that direction. Well, and, yeah, and I think, true. I think the tipping the way we do is a uniquely American phenomenon. I mean, here oh, in yeah. Orlando, we have so many visitors like the restaurants down where the, in the tourist area all have tipping explanations on the bill. Oh, really? Like, oh, really? kind of oh. like informing all the international visitors, like here's the customary amount that you should probably tip, you know, it's interesting but because like other parts of the world don't, tip, don't tip on meals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they compensate their wait staff differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not expected. It, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to tip the, the retail employee right. that helped me pick out a pair right. of jeans. Exactly. Yeah. In, in France, it's customary to just leave loose change. Like, whatever you're, it ends up being like up 25, 50 cents or so. So, in, oh. in American, which is what I, which is all I had. I left them American change. I hope that's all right. That's all I was planning on leaving anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Kramer told me that's all I need to leave anyway. So, All right. What do you have, Eddie? Well, I have a, uh, it's a quick one, but I have a warning for our friends in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, and also just a, somebody is doing something that is making me so proud that it's just <laughs> worth bringing to the attention of a national audience. And it comes out of Jackson, Mississippi. So residents in a neighborhood in Jackson uh, keep finding something all over the place. And okay. I really need to just not leave that open to questions. I was going to be like, oh, what do you think they keep finding? But that's a terribly uh, they could go very weird. They are finding all over the place bowls of mashed potatoes. So people walk outside one day and they're finding bowls of mashed potatoes just sitting on the cars, sitting on the porches, sitting on top of mailboxes. And what, I've seen these you bowls. You said this is Jacksonville? Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, oh, Mississippi. Jackson. Okay. And, and I will tell you, I thought, well, are they like, uh, they're just styrofoam bowls like you'd have at a picnic. Yeah. And a lovely, very well thoughtfully made bowl of mashed potatoes inside of it. A nice portion, <laughs> right? Like it just they you look at it and it's a, That's nice a weird bowl of mashed potatoes. Still. Like if you're if you're leaving a side out, yeah. you know, like why not go for like the sweet potatoes? Like the ones with the marshmallows on top, you know? Like yeah. it's too much work. Too much work. Well, Eddie did What's the what's is this some kind of weird 
viral marketing campaign. <laughs> so, uh, so someone has said. So, so the the punchline is they have they still have no clue who it is. There, that's the best part of it. Is you thought, okay, maybe there's maybe it is viral marketing, or somebody said it was like yeah. they were afraid that they were poisoning the animals, and that doesn't seem to be the case. But apparently, uh, this neighborhood, this Bell Haven neighborhood, is sort of quirky. And a couple of times, like there are residents that decorate road signs, they put Christmas trees and potholes. And so there's this weird little neighborhood outside of in Jackson, Mississippi, called Bellhaven that people are just walking outside and it's just kind of strange. Now, I will say this. The thing that I think is particularly important for this podcast to know is that the final uh, line of the article says this, and I will quote it. Resident Michaela Lynn says some of the potato finders have connections. So people that have found the potatoes, some of the potato finders have connections to a local private Christian university, which may be a clue. And so I'm just putting this out there into the world. Friends uh, in this local private Christian university in Jackson, Mississippi, you can hear us. We are are your friends and we love you. Uh, Please DM the podcast account. We will keep you anonymous, but we need to know what's going on. And we're going to crack this case. I hope it's building towards something. You know, oh, yeah. like, like it's a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like one day. between now and November, like they release yeah. more and more side dishes. <laughs> yeah, All right. I found it. It's Bellhaven University. Mm. Wait, right, right, I picture right in the middle of this town. One day there's going to be an above ground pool, like right in the city square filled with gravy. This, it, this know, honestly sounds like a, you, you and I both went to a, a, a residential Christian university yeah, and, yeah. and you get a little stir crazy. You yeah. come up with some prank ideas and, in the middle of the night and they start getting weird and they get weird and it's in Second a semester. You know, and it's like, you know what we should do? Mashed potatoes. I, you know, like, I bet we make national news <laughs> if we leave mashed potatoes all over town every yeah, night. You know? I, I'm telling you, I'm yeah. telling potatoed. That's yeah. been their thing. Yeah. So we're super here. Lame. Our DMs are DMs are open at relevant podcast. Um, le- yeah. We let's talk about this because I it's a somebody great just taking Jesse's idea to the to its logical conclusion. What's like that? if you're just going to like the, the rest, if you're just going to be going through like a giant buffet style, why even go to a restaurant? Like why <laughs> does it need <laughs> to be housed somewhere? Big containers of food everywhere. Yeah. Just leave yeah. containers just of food for whatever around you get the city. And, and you take a bite or take a scoop. It's like public water fountains. Exactly. We just have we public... pay a tax on it. Right. Just like I get water pumped into my house. Why can't I have a refried bean dispenser <laughs> from the city installed? I, sure, it's going to get clogged all the time, but it would be a great luxury. I also love the complete like um I don't know why they picked mashed potatoes but there's something that strikes me as like doubly <laughs> funny because it's the most harmless substance on ever I mean you can't yeah. the, the color doesn't offend you the taste is non-offensive <laughs> well, no one has it, strong it, feelings about mashed potatoes it's just no. like you know it's sure. Yeah, if they left anything else out there it could be construed as something but this is just it's just yeah, well, it's a like, really good asparagus or anything it'd be like that's wasteful yeah right? exactly. but mashed potatoes yeah. you can make from it's, a powder in a box yeah, nobody's no, thinking about it, wasting it and everyone's no. like we got enough of it like yeah, you know like, i mean there's, there's an we're never, supply of mashed we're never gonna powder. run out of this right. you yeah. always yeah. are throwing away a, t- a turkey carcass at the end of thanksgiving <laughs> but you're always like what how on earth do we still have 97 <laughs> entire containers of mashed potatoes this is crazy so they're just they're doing everybody a favor yeah there you go all right that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next van jones joins us i've been starving in the garden hiding garbage and my heart is in two days too late 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Relevant Podcast. Hey, if you like this show, do us a favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and rate it. It helps uh, It helps with the ranking and visibility of the show. It's really interesting. Also, while you're over there, check out two new podcasts we've recently launched. Unedited with Cameron Strang, yours truly, is my long-form conversation show we put out twice a month. Uh, the current episode is with... Our friend Andy Minio, it just released yesterday. Check it out. We uh, and uh, we we do talk about preachers and sneakers for a little bit of it. Uh, also, check out every weekday, Relevant Daily, ten minutes, five days a week. We're bringing you the latest happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Check it out. It's perfect for your drive home or your drive into work every morning. It's Relevant Daily and unedited wherever you get your podcasts. listening to King's Kaleidoscope. The song is Hero Over My Head. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Tame Impala with Borderline. Van Jones is a social entrepreneur, a CNN political contributor and host of The Van Jones Show on CNN. He's the author of three best-selling books and worked as the green jobs advisor to President Obama. Jesse recently spoke with Van about Americans' justice system, how he's working to change our parole system, and some of the influential movers and shakers he's recruited to his cause. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, we'd actually, before even the, you know, what's funny is before the Redemption uh, Project was was coming on TV, we had actually reached out to talk to him about Reform Alliance, which is this, uh, you know, parole rehabilitation. You know, he wants to see uh, the, the criminal justice system totally reformed. And the redemption part of project is basically a way to kind of show light on some of the reforms. So I wanted to ask him like essentially why he feels like this is so important. And he said, you know, our philosophy of criminal justice, there's a thousand reasons, but our philosophy of criminal justice really points to like a social issue, which is there's, you know, in his mind, a loss of empathy as a culture. Someone does something wrong. We want to throw them away forever. And this show can hopefully spotlight what forgiveness looks like. Here's what he had to say about it. I am so concerned that our society and our culture has, it's just losing empathy, uh, caring, compassion. Uh, It's just exited the culture. It's now, it's so trendy. It's so hip. It's so fashionable to be in this cancel culture, blocking people on Facebook, uh, you know, no forgiveness, no second chances. You did something wrong 20 years ago. You said the wrong thing 20 minutes ago. Uh, You put out the wrong tweet. You're finished. And I want to do something 180 degrees in the other direction by taking people who have done really bad stuff and who want to make amends and talking to them and getting their story and then talking to the person that they hurt or all too often the surviving family member and getting their story and understanding their pain and then putting those two different people in the same room and filming them just having a conversation. And, you know, for me, it has been life-changing to, to do over and over again. we got eight episodes where we've done this over and over and over again. And I've seen miracles happen in front of my eyes. And I'm saying to America, just watch this show and then explain to me if these people can talk, 
It doesn't always work out perfectly. It doesn't always get to a warm, fuzzy place. But they can at least just talk across this much pain. How is it that we can't, you know, unblock our friend who voted a different way from us on, you know, 20, 2016? You know, we're blocking people on Facebook. You know, we're writing people off. We're always so happy to be the 4,000th person to retweet something negative about somebody. Can we get to a better place, at least a little bit, inspired by these people who've had to do so much more to even sit down and talk. And I love the vision behind it and that he's trying to speak to like a cultural narrative. So even if you're not passionate about criminal justice reform, he's right. You know, we've gotten to a place in, in culture where, you know, one mistake can ruin your life forever and you never get a chance at redemption. And he talked about that. He also, he talked about how it it shouldn't be something where you shouldn't be defined by your worst decision. And here's what he had to say about that. I think that it's important that we have high standards. Um, You know, I'm not somebody who's trying to make excuses for, you know, somebody who's who's making terrible decisions. Um, I'm not a part of the pro-crime lobby, and I don't know anybody who is. But having high standards doesn't mean we have to have closed hearts. And the problem we have now in America is we want to have these super high standards for everybody and then close our hearts to the fact that people are human beings and they make mistakes. And you can't go back and change something you did one minute ago let alone a decade ago or two. And we've got to get to a different place where, especially if we're going to have this much data about each other, um, we have so much data now and so little wisdom. You know, you know, somebody does something you know, on their, twi- their Twitter feed five years ago and it comes back out and their career is over. Or, you know, somebody, you know, says something in a, in a, a house someplace, somebody's got a cell phone, they put it on YouTube and that's it. And no matter what else they've done or ever do, they can never recover just from that. Well, that's not going to work. So we have to have a society, if we're going to have this much data and information, we have to have 20 times more wisdom and empathy. And so this show is trying to push in that direction and try to, 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 to take a stand for that. Because no matter what you've done, you are not only the worst decision you've ever made. You are not only the worst thing you've ever done. You are always that plus so much more. And yes, you have to pay a cost and a consequence if you do something really terrible and crazy. But even then, there's more to you than just that. And we lose our own humanity when we deny humanity to other people. We shrink our own horizons and understanding when we don't extend some understanding and empathy to other people. And that's what I'm fighting for. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, oh man, it's, and, and, and that's why watching the show was so emotional to be honest is because yeah, you, you're, you put yourself in the shoes of what it would be like to sit across, but then also who's someone who's wronged me or who's someone that yeah. who would be, you know, because what he's saying is true. Like the situations might not be extreme, but we lose our own humanity when we don't give empathy to others. Um, but I did want to ask about, um, you know, just the, philosophically, he wants, he's advocating for restorative justice, not just, you know, actually, you know, it's called the department of corrections correcting behavior. What does that look like versus just punishing people? And he, and that, you know, is why I wanted to start the Reform Alliance. And here's, here's what he said about that. Well, as you know, I am the uh, CEO of something called the Reform Alliance, reformalliance.com. Jay-Z and Meek Mill and six other heavy hitters uh, got together to create an organization to try to make our court system more fair 
and to, to make our criminal justice system more fair. And um, I'm proud to lead that effort. I also helped to found something called Cut50, C-U-T-5-0.org, Cut50.org, that you know, has been uh, working for five years now on a bipartisan basis to make our criminal justice system you know, more fair and, you know, frankly, less big. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, for myself, um, I am... Uh, uh, this is my life's work. I mean, I'm, I've been working on this issue for a very long time. I am especially proud, though, that restorative justice, which is you know a, a subcomponent of criminal justice, is finally getting a, a prime time debut. You know, we've all been taught about eye for an eye, and you know, you know, if you hit me, I hit you, and you know that's retributive justice or retribution-based justice or revenge-based justice. And, you know, that has a place, I suppose, but it has not delivered the results that were promised. Uh, it turns out if you add damage to damage, you get more damage, not, not necessarily justice. And so restorative justice comes in and says, well, how about rather than focusing on hurting the person who hurt somebody, let's focus also on healing the person who's been hurt. And sometimes the person who's been hurt they don't necessarily feel that great just because somebody got 50 years in prison. They might be better off hearing an apology, knowing that the person learned a lesson, hearing what that person is going to do to make a to make amends, um, getting more information, you know, about what truly happened. Because in the court system, a lot of times people they just plead the fifth, accept the plea deal, and go away to prison. And that family who's sitting there hurting never understands what went down. So, you know, that that's kind of like the heart behind, you know, why, why he's doing this. But I, I also, I hadn't seen him speak a lot publicly about his own faith and his own values, but I knew that he grew up in the church. And I wanted to ask how that upbringing in the church, you know, shaped his philosophy when it comes to these really important issues. And he, he's, you know, as, as you'll hear, I mean, this is something that it's his faith is the reason why he's doing this. Here's what he here's what he said. I'm a Christian, um, and it is always present in me the way that I was raised. Um, you know, Dr. King um, and his expression of forgiveness and the attempt to reconcile, even in the midst of some of the most atrocious racial violence um, in the world, um, was something that... I was raised with, I was born in 68, he was killed in 68. I was literally raised with uh, Dr. King's politics and with um, the faith of Jesus as my cornerstone. You know, he, he sacrificed himself so that others could be free. Um, that's, that's Jesus. And, you know, this whole idea of human freedom and human dignity um, being uh, an outcome of, of grace. Um, is something that I, you know, was was raised with, and so it's so strange to me to live in a country that, you know, still though it's becoming more secular, uh, identifies itself as primarily a Christian country, certainly not a Muslim country, not a, Bo a Buddhist country, and yet these the best of the Christian values seem to be slipping away from us, and uh, and so. Uh, you, you'll probably hear the word God and the word prayer said more in the context of my show, The Redemption Project, 
than probably all the other hours of cable television combined because the culture has gotten so secular. But um, literally nine times out of ten, both of the people uh, who are sitting down in these redemption conversations um, have some kind of faith tradition that they are quietly relying upon. I, I think that's such a powerful thought because, you know, a lot of times you, you hear about, you know, Christian values slipping away in culture. And mm-hmm. a lot of people relate those to like moral issues, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, ideas about marriage or, you know, um, you know, language is so bad on TV or whatever these are as like indications that, you know, society's coming less Christian or, or you know, suppose, uh, quote unquote. But what he's saying, no, it's the lack of grace. That's where you see it, where people not willing to do what Jesus did, which was to forgive and love your enemies. And I do, I, you know, like I said, I I know we have a lot of uh, guests on to talk about shows and books and, and, and albums. And, you know, we try to have a pretty high filter, but this is one that I definitely think people would benefit from checking out. And it's, hmm. a, you know, it's, it's um, as he said, it's going up against Game of Thrones. Uh, so... You know, it's it's it, there. It, it's also he mentioned. It, I didn't include the clip, but the reason why it's so significant is Sunday at nine o'clock was Anthony Bourdain's old time, mm-hmm. and oh. you know, the, CNN really wanted to do something special in that slot and no. something that injustice. That's what they call. It. That's what. They call it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> the, the Redemption Project is really great, and uh, yeah, so uh, Sunday's nine o'clock. All right, that was Van Jones. His new show, The Redemption Project, debuts this Sunday. Check it out. Stay tuned up next. It's our listener of the week. The Bible is full of motifs, grace, sacrifice, the cross, but one of the most overlooked symbols in scripture is actually trees. In Reforesting Faith, the new book from Dr. Matthew Sleeth, the author looks at the ways trees have been clear-cut from Christian sermons, theology, and literature, even redacted from the modern biblical text. Find out who's behind this theology in Reforesting Faith, available wherever books are sold. All proceeds benefit reforestation efforts around the globe. You're listening to Claude. The song is If I Were You. Okay, it is time for... You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's the listener of the week. So soothing. So it soothing. Is. Very relaxing. And it, it always strikes me, you know, some people have a different singing voice than speaking voice, and it's like, yeah. oh, wow, I can't believe that voice came out of that person. Not yeah. Chandler. It's just that one. Is, that is the. Uh, it's that one palette. That, that is the audio equivalent of like a nice bowl of mashed potatoes. Just pleasant, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. Like, pleasant. like it's not the main course. Right. Not a bad little side. No, no, you it's know? fine. I mean, I wouldn't it's mind nice. my smooth little bite. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you guys, every week or every few weeks, we go on Twitter and ask you to nominate yourselves to be our listener of the week. You send us three interesting facts about yourself, and this week joining us is Lindsay Gorvet. Rhymes with Corvette. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, guys. Uh, where are you calling us from? I'm calling you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it just snowed, didn't it? It just snowed. Yeah, we had an April 14th youth group got canceled last night. Snowstorm. Wow. 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 That's, yeah. I are mean, you, are you on the youth group cancellation beat? 
Lindsay? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm on it for West Michigan. No, our youth group got canceled and last year on the same exact date today, which would have been April fifteenth, Sunday last year, church got canceled. So it must just be this like mid April snowstorm that Grand Rapids gets and it's just really great. You know, I love it. Buddy. Well, we might, we okay. I spent the weekend in shorts. I got a yeah, little sunburn. I mean, it is, it is lovely. 80 degrees. It, yes. it is delightful here. And I, huh. and I, I'm you know what? yesterday. And, and it's this sound, <laughs> like, I didn't realize you're like, I thought the Bible belt was running through the South. You know, yeah. it sounds like where she lives in Michigan, yeah. like on the local news, yeah. they have youth group. Canceling. <laughs> youth group, youth yeah. group is canceled. Tonight. I'm assuming. Do you work at a church, Lindsay? Uh, yeah, I, my husband does and, and I do as well. So yeah, it was, we were watching American Idol last night and all the church cancellations were just running on the bottom of the they, screen. They, so they, they, it they, is. they, they oh, broke no. away from American Idol and we're like, we have a very special <laughs> oh, breaking no. update. Yeah. Youth group canceled tomorrow night. More on it. And there's like a guy at the scene outside yeah. the church. And it's like, it's starting to flurry here. We don't want these kids coming yep. to get ministered Sidewalks to tonight. Sidewalks are a little slick today. Yeah. 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 It's a big deal for sure. Big and it was Palm Sunday, which is like pre-Super Bowl Sunday for churches. Dude, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it had to be that's real. really hard to see. Anyhow, yeah, keep going, Justin. I, I hate that for you, Lindsay. Um, you know, you. I'm looking back in our DMs, and there's been a couple times where we've tried to have you on, but we, you know, for scheduling reasons, yeah. you know, I'm looking back. We keep shunning her. Yeah, we do. And uh, she said, <laughs> here's what she said in August of 2018, uh-huh. after uh-huh. one of these incidents, okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like, I know I'll never top Cody, but my reputation of my family and friends may be very well riding on this. Oh, wow. Cody was arguably the best listener of the week we ever had. He had the Dennis Rodman story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Lindsay, Incredible. you think you just name dropping Cody coming in here. You, you, you think you, you have a, you think you have a pretty good shot at, at, at maybe dethroning him? Let, let's, okay, here we let's go. Here's it. the three facts. So, the first one, she says, I want a good amount of money, Canadian money to be exact, for getting engaged. I mean, Canada's involved. Winning money is involved. Some kind Why of contest. Why would you win money for getting engaged? Please tell us the story, yeah. Lindsay. Okay, so my husband and I went to a small Canadian uh, Bible college in New Brunswick, Canada. And um, I was there for the summer. When we got engaged, it was filmed. And so uh, I got turned into a video that we had posted on Facebook. And when I was over in New Brunswick, Canada for the summer working, there was this small radio station that was doing this contest called Win and Wed by the Sea. And so if you submitted your engagement video and you got enough likes on Facebook, you won a $20,000, like all expenses paid wedding um, at this place and had it all planned out. We already had our wedding planned. So we decided if we won, we were going to, um, secretly get married and then have that as like a big party afterwards because we didn't want to wait that long to get married. Anyways, we didn't win, but we did win third place. And so we won a thousand dollars for getting engaged Hmm. and it was Canadian money. So I just felt like I had to, yeah, but that's like eighteen thousand U.S. Like yeah. if you're a thousand dollars in Canada, you can do almost anything in America. Are you sure? I think it's the other way around. I think it's eighteen dollars. Yeah, US. yeah. I don't oh, know. I'm, I'm that's familiar. interesting. And well, I, I'll ask those Southern Baptists. It was Baptists. five years ago, so we'd have to look up the exchange rate in two thousand. I, I w- uh, six years ago, two thousand thirteen. I will say, 
I'm getting very concerned that you say that now, Eddie, because I've got into currency speculation lately. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I vested a lot in the Canadian dollar, yeah, and I feel loom. that I've I've taken a very large hit. And I like also, Lindsay, that you tried to cheat the contest, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You like, yeah. Because I, I mean, for I, some reason, you had to get married secretly and quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, you know, it was. It just was a December wedding that we had planned, and the wedding wasn't until May. And we were going to get. We got married in New Jersey, where I'm from and grew up. So oh, yeah. I was like, I just, I can't abandon my family. So instead, yeah. I'll just lie to a Canadian radio station. It just felt like that was a, uh, that's a, a good question. Question. Feels right. I was going to say, yeah, public I, lies. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't yeah. know the penalty for fraud in Canada, but I don't think the Mounties would be very pleased no, no, no. to hear this story. <laughs> but you know, water yeah. under the bridge, I guess. Okay. I guess. Here's the fact number two. I witnessed a tragic, life-changing boogie board accident when I was seven. It happened in my own pool, but everyone's alive. Please tell us. Yeah. So uh, when I, I'm the oldest of four siblings, and one summer we were down at my pool. It's an in-ground pool, so it's got concrete poured around it. Yeah. And my youngest brother, who was three years old at the time, was balanced. It's actually, it's, it's quite graphic. He was oh, on no. the boogie board, oh, and no. he had his hands on the um like the railing for when you walk into the shallow end of a pool yeah. and his oh, no. feet came out from underneath no, 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 them no. and he fell face first onto the concrete no, 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 no. and uh and so he lost his front teeth and had to be rushed to the hospital and my mom was down there alone with all of us and we were seven six four and three so yeah. it was it was probably very tragic for my mom and, and probably terrifying but everything's okay and he has better teeth than all of us now because of all the dental work that got done for him. So, you know, the, yeah. real, the real tragedy in this hmm. is a pool day was spoiled. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it sounds mm. like many of those. it sounds it sounds like especially up there in, in that part of the country. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got your sunscreen freak. on, you got your swimmies out, you're ready to go. And I now mean, you got to go to the hospital. Yeah, all these, you know, it's yeah. uh, freak snowstorms are blowing through canceling youth group. And you, you know, one <laughs> one of the few nice days you have. Yeah. Your brother, who sounds ruined at all, yeah, sounds, sounds a little clumsy. Uh, yeah, I know it doesn't sound like the boogie board's problem. I mean, Lindsay, <laughs> between us girls, is he kind of the black sheep of the whole operation, or what? Yeah, especially since after that, you know, like I said, now he has better teeth than all of us because of all the work that got done to him, mm-hmm. and he just got to eat popsicles for like three months because he couldn't eat any food because he had no teeth. So uh, really, it's, it's driven a wedge in our family. Because I'm the oldest of four, and when when we were young, and one of us would get injured, uh, then then the rest of us all became amateur paramedics pretty quickly. We're like, oh, I know what you got to do here. I, this is a simple. You're in the get, get fields of Nebraska. And, I mean, yeah. it's because you're in the fields of Nebraska. Yeah, There's I not mean, exactly ambulatory service nearby. No, yeah, exactly. The, the Nightingale helicopter's like three hours away, and it's <laughs> notified by co- like Collie, like a dog has to run and tell them. It's a weird <laughs> we, system we got we, there. I the, the, here's the other thing that baffles me about this. You're ta- Lindsay. You're talking to someone who's done more dangerous things on boogie boards and swimming pools than probably anyone you'll ever speak to in your life. Yeah. And I have, I, believe it. I have walked away mostly unscathed. Really? You know, I've never knocked any teeth out. Right. This sounds like what's your, what's your brother's name? How old is he now? Uh, his name is blaze and he is, when you can name I say, a kid blaze this is what's coming yeah yeah this is hold on you, you have, have a brother 
You have a brother named Blaze, and that wasn't one of the interesting facts. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you, not, it's not B-L-A-Z-E, it's B-L-A-I-S-E. So people uh, do ask if it's, he's it's like, like my French dog or, or my horse or something it's like still, that. It's still, it's a brother named Blaze. Like, the, however you spell it, it's pronounced Blaze. Like, I'm trying to pronounce it another way. You have a brother named Blaze, <laughs> and I take everything back. Blaze is probably awesome. He's he's yeah. out there doing cool pool tricks. He's got yeah. fantastic teeth. He, he doesn't care that it's swim day. It's time. Oh, yeah. my goodness. But I know Blaze, he didn't let the injury slow him down for one second. Uh, okay, last fact for, for Lindsay. And, uh, and, then, and, and then I have an extra little fact about Lindsay that I'm going to sneak in at the end, because okay. this okay. is another one that have gotten uh, her right on the show. I firmly believe, she says, I firmly believe six degrees of separation is real because she just found her connection to the relevant cast yesterday and it's legit. Do tell. So this is an interesting one because, um, you know, when I first sent that fact to you guys, it was like a year ago. So even since then, I've found more facts and I, I, I have a couple different connections to you guys. So, um, so the first one was somebody that Annie knew, which Annie isn't on today, but it was somebody that Annie knew. I saw a picture on her Instagram of a woman named Alex Seely, who's pastor at the Belonging Co. in Nashville. And I've met her, so I thought, oh, that was my connection. But then just recently, uh, we had Steve Carter here in the office mm. and where I work, and Steve Carter's super connected to you guys. Wow. So that's yeah. my that's my solid connection to you. I believe that uh, six degrees of separation, if you're not familiar with it, is everybody in the world is connected within six degrees. So somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, anyone in the world, you can make that connection. And, uh, I have a friend that we always text back and forth. Yeah. Oh, well, here's our connection e- to this even, person. Even more compelling, Lindsay, is that you and I are both, I, I just got my 23 and me in and you and I are mm-hmm. actually, uh, third cousins. So now <laughs> congratulations. L- Lindsay, how, how do you spell your last name or how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Gorvette like Corvette? It- it is. I now have a connection to a man named Blaze Gorvette. And that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. My maiden name is Hudak. So his name is Blaze Hudak, not, not Blaze oh, Gorvette. Well, so H-U-D-A-K. Still, kinda, is still, still I got a connection to a guy named Blaze. Would he be willing to take your name? Because I got a couple, but the other guys are off the grid at the moment. So I can't get up with them. <laughs> So yeah, I think that that's a real thing. And the more you think about it, the more you realize it's true and you're connected to anybody in the world. It's kind of cool. Eddie, you well, have... eventually, I mean, you go far enough back, if you believe yeah. the Bible, we all we go back to all, Noah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah I mean... And I, I just, I'm i actually I mean, trying it, it, to do the reverse was, in my life and disconnect myself from other people. So yeah. I'm just burning relational bridges left and right. So Listen, at this I point, I pretty much only got a couple people. If you, if you roll back the to- clock, if... if what if Kim Ham has taught me anything? If you yeah. roll the clock back twenty four hundred years, mom and dad Adam and Eve are right there, we're all related. It's it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Jesse, yeah. I got an extra little little fact okay. about Lindsay Let's that this is just made for you. Lindsay's mom apparently has a dog. The dog had puppies. They named the six puppies: <laughs> Dwight, Stanley, Phyllis, Oscar, Angela, and <laughs> wow. Toby. Uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. I love it. I, awesome. I'm kind of creeped out that Eddie has somehow stalked <laughs> yeah. you. And cousins know these things. Well, she's my yeah. cousin. Yeah, we all yeah. like our pa- parents all talk. It's you fine. know what? Steve Carter told me. Yeah, it was it's our weird. family Steve, group chat. The thing. Steve Carter just texted me and told me, "Oh, Blaze's sister, tell her about the the, the litter of puppies." Yeah, it's, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. Right? It's like I'm a adi- I'm addicted to coffee and running and sunshine. Not in that order. What about you, Lindsay? Same thing. 
uh, running Sunshine Coffee for me. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, I was yeah. reading directly Close. from your own Twitter, but okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, you know what? I'm going to te- text Steve Carter and let him know he had it all wrong. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's okay. Please do. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, it's Lindsay. Nice that's Lindsay. Lindsay Gorvette, everybody, our listener of the week. You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's a listener. This is my speaking voice, week. but saying it over a song. There you go. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Bye, Lindsay. Lindsay. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. If you want to join us as our listener of the week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us three interesting things about yourself. And, and make it, you know, we're going to need. We've there's been inter- I don't know how much behind the curtain we should tell them, but sure, we've talked about maybe retiring this segment. Hmm. We need people to come in hot. If you want to see the segment live on, yeah, bring us some hot, hot facts, hot stories, hot facts. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks to Quip for making the episode possible. Remember, Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you get your first refill pack for free with your Quip electric toothbrush. Hey, thanks also to Van Jones for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at vanjones68. And make sure to check out the debut of his new show called The Redemption Project. The Redemption Project on CNN this coming Sunday. And probably look for him playing silly games on Fallon if the last few weeks have been any (laughs) Exactly. The the big hand game. Can't wait, Van. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We will see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. We have a very special breaking update. Youth group cancel tomorrow night. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.